Good morning. Good to see you today. God's given us a beautiful day today. It's a great day for a picnic. And I want to invite you to our church picnic this afternoon. We'll have recreation and fellowship at 5 and covered dish dinner at 6 at City Park Pavilion near the tennis courts. If you're a guest with us, it'd be a great way to get to know folks. You'd certainly be welcome to come and we'll share a meal together in fellowship. And I want to share with you, uh, I have a new club called the Pastors uh, Platinum Club uh, that uh, inviting people to park in the uh, lot across the Highway 41 in the library. If you'll join me in parking there, our cards have arrived. And so the Platinum cards are here now. I'd be glad to present one to you today. You'll sign up at the Welcome Center to join me in making room on the high attendance days. We just don't hardly have enough parking, and it lets guests and senior adults have better parking. So if you're able to do that, I want to invite you to, into the Platinum Club. And by the way, if you'll bring your gold club card or your Platinum Club card tonight to the church picnic and show it when you're in line, you'll be allowed to move to the back of the line uh, tonight <laughs> because... Kingdom life is upside down. It says on the card, the first will be last and the last will be first. That's kingdom life, and we want to put that into practice uh, tonight. So join me there. I've been sharing a series of sermons from the book of Nehemiah. God called Nehemiah to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem, destroyed in the Babylonian uh, invasion, and he put it on his heart. So this was his burden. We come to Nehemiah chapter 6, and once again, there is opposition to this rebuilding. Now, this is three chapters in a row that we've had some kind of problem confronting Nehemiah. Chapter 4, chapter 5, and now chapter 6. Nehemiah is doing exactly what God called him to do, but he's having a bunch of problems. I want to say this again to you. You can be in the center of God's will and have problems. You see, there's a strain of Christianity being taught in America today called the prosperity gospel, which basically says if you become a follower of Christ, you will prosper financially, physically in your health, and otherwise. There is some truth to that because God designed life, and when you align your life with God and do what the Bible says, some things are going to get better in your life. You're going to quit being out of God's will, and, and probably your finances will probably get better when you follow God's principles. Some other things in your life, sin-based problems will disappear. But problems that are common to this fallen world don't disappear. There are people in Florida right now, believer and non-believer, they're still going to be in the path of that hurricane. And when you become a follower of Jesus, some new problems will arise. Nehemiah is having these problems because he's following God's will. In this chapter today, we're going to see that his life is threatened. You can get killed following Jesus. So there's some truth to the prosperity gospel, but understand if you're having problems today, it doesn't mean that you're off track or why is God doing this to me or I must be doing something wrong. You ought to look at your life, see if it's a sin-based problem. But if it's not, be encouraged to know you can be doing exactly what God wants you to do and you can have problems. The reason being, there's a, there's a force of evil opposing the work of God. And so today, what we want to try to do is, as we look at Nehemiah 6, recognize some of the strategies of the devil, of the evil one, 
so that we will not be overwhelmed or surprised by them. So we're going to see in this chapter, as we look at Nehemiah's experience, three strategies, the more subtle strategies that the devil often uses to try to dissuade us from the will of God. The first one is this. The devil will attempt to sidetrack you from what God wants you to do. He'll attempt to get you off course, to sidetrack you from what God wants you to do. Let's begin in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. We'll see this. When word came to Sanballat, ah, here's Sanballat again, over and over, old Sanballat. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates. So Sanballat's getting desperate. The wall is finished. There are 10 gates listed in Nehemiah 3. So there were 10 large openings. They had built the gate, but the doors had not been placed yet. This is his last gasp effort to try to keep this project from being completed. And so it says in verse 2, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Now let me just say a word to you. If your enemies ever want you to go to Oh No, don't go to a place called Oh No, okay? This was sort of a border town between Samaria and Judah, sort of a neutral territory. And so they're saying, hey, come on, let's talk about this. Let's meet and talk it over. Uh, let's meet together in this villages. But it says, last part of verse 2, they were scheming to harm me. So uh, the strategy of Samuel, the ridicule of chapter 4, and the threat of attack didn't work. And so now, a little more subtle Let's just talk. Let's, let's, let's sidetrack. But Nehemiah recognized this, and here's Nehemiah's response. And here's what we need to do. Stay focused on your mission by learning to say no. You need to be able to say no to some things so that you can say yes to God. And that's what Nehemiah does. Verse 3, so I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. They're trying to delay and sidetrack the work, and Nehemiah has the insight to say, no, I'm not going to be sidetracked from what God's called me to do. In our lives, there's going to be, the devil will send people and projects and ideas to sidetrack you from serving God, get you off course. I used to uh, quail hunt back when there were a lot more quail in Tennessee and had English setters. And English setters are trained, they've got a great nose and they follow their nose to find quail and point them. But with a young pup, what they want to do, they want to follow every smell. And so they're going along and a, and a, a rabbit has crossed their path. And hey, let's go follow that for a while. And, and God forbid a skunk crosses their path. Hey, you don't want your dog pointing a skunk. Take me Take my word on that, I can tell you. And so they, you've got to train them not to be sidetracked, but this is what you're after. This is the smell that you focus on. In our lives, the same thing is true. You're going on trying to serve God. You're in church. You're living a life that is right with God. And the devil's going to send all kind of enticing scents across your path and seek to sidetrack you onto other things that compromise the will of God. That's going to be one of his strategies. Maybe you used to be on course 
and you've gotten sidetracked and you need to recognize what the devil is doing. Well, that didn't work. And so Sanballat and the evil one behind him tried a second strategy. And here's the second strategy we're going to see. The devil will spread fake news to intimidate you. He'll spread fake news to intimidate you. Look at verse 5. Then the fifth time Sanballat changes his strategy, he sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter. Now what they would do when they sent a letter, sort of like we'd seal an envelope, they write it on a scroll, roll it up, put a piece of string around it, put uh, hot wax on the string uh, to seal it, put your, your signet seal inside that, and so you can tell if anybody else has read the letter because the, the seal is broken to remove the string. Well, Sanballat purposely sends an unsealed letter because he wants the people to read. You know what's going to happen when you send an unsealed reader, the, the courier, the guy who cares, oh, he's going to read it, and oh, look at this. And he does this on purpose to spread rumors about Nehemiah, fake news, lies, and here's the content of the letter, verse 6, in which was written, it's reported among the nations, and Geshem says it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you're building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you're about to become their king, and have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king, so come, let us meet together. So he's up the ante a little bit, changed the strategy, and now he's sending an unsealed letter with these rumors that, you know, I've heard the reason you're building this wall, you want to be king. You're going to revolt against the king of Persia, and you're fortifying your kingdom. And he's sending that fake news. Now, that's still a strategy the devil's going to use to try to intimidate the people of God. And we're seeing this increasingly more in our culture today. Uh, and, and we need to really be aware of this, that increasingly in Western culture, the media is sharing fake news about Christianity that has an agenda to intimidate us. And you may think, well, that sounds a little paranoid, a little conspiracy theory kind of thing. I want to share with you just one small concrete example within the next last month of how this very strategy is used. I got a headline from a, a news source I want to put up here. This is a recent headline, and uh, this one, let's see, came from, um, uh, this one came from the Pulse. The Bible got it wrong. Ancient Canaanites survived, and their DNA lives in modern-day Lebanese. You may, have, you may have seen this in, in a, a bunch of news outlets. What happened was geneticists and archaeologists were able to recover some DNA from Canaanites. Uh, 4,000-year-old bones discovered in Lebanon. They compared the DNA with living Lebanese and found that there was a match, that the Lebanese today are descendants, or at least many of them are descendants of the ancient Canaanites. That's true. But then look at the headline, the Bible got it wrong is the first part of the headline. Ancient Canaanites, that, that part is fake news. After the colon, 
is real news. But the conclusion they wanted to jump to was the Bible got it wrong. And in this article, and 12 others like it, I'll show you a couple other headlines in just a moment, uh, examples. 12 others like it surveyed in different news sources. Bronze Age DNA disproves the Bible claim the Canaanites were wiped out. Let's look at, I think we got one more to put up. Uh, the Bible was wrong. Got that in all caps in this headline. Notice that? Civilization ordered to be killed, still alive and kicking. And they quote in this article, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 20, where God said to wipe out the Canaanites. But what they didn't bother to, maybe didn't bother to ask any pastor or any Bible teacher was that the people never followed through on that. And Judges 1 and many other places in the Bible says they did not wipe out the Canaanites. So what the headline should have read was, the Bible proved to be true. The ancient Canaanites, are, uh, uh, Canaanites have descendants in Lebanon. So you see, but they all jumped to this conclusion, the Bible was wrong. And they're making a, a statement there that's not a right conclusion. Just the opposite is true. Yes, so, so Lebanese are descendants from Canaanites. That says exactly what the Bible says. God said to wipe them out. They failed to do that. And they're still having problems of conflict today in that land as a result of that. But you see how the, the media has an agenda. And you may think, well, maybe that's just poor journalism. Maybe they just didn't know. Maybe they were just innocent in that and they got it wrong. That's not the case. Twelve um, 12 different news sources, ABC News, for example, clearly the Bible was wrong. Quotes from ABC News story on this. Clearly the Bible was wrong. And after uh, Bible teachers pointed that out to these news sources, only one of the 12 printed a retraction or a correction. ABC News removed that sentence, the Bible was clearly wrong. If you look on their uh, website today that sentence is not there it was there in August but they never reprinted a correction or retraction now that's just a small news story but do you see how that headline is do you see that if you were an unbeliever or if you're if you're not a strong believer you could be intimidated just like they're trying to intimidate Nehemiah about his faith so that's what we are going to deal with increasingly and that's the strategy of the evil one, the exact same strategy used in Nehemiah 6. And we just need to be aware of that. You say, well, is that, is that really, really a, a bias? Let me show you a tweet that Matthew Dowd tweeted. I think I've got it to put up there. Matthew Dowd is the chief political analyst for ABC, a, a position of, of great media influence. This is something he tweeted on August the, uh, August the 9th, 2017, a fundamentalist radical Christian is just as misguided and frightening as a fundamentalist radical Muslim. No difference. Really? Really? Uh, what, what does a radical Christian look like? Well, David Platt wrote the book by that name, Radical, and in that book, he called on people to Give generously of your money, move into poor neighborhoods to help people, uh, go overseas on mission trips. That's what radical fundamental of Christianity looks like. Is that exactly the same? But you see the people who are in charge of the media in many of the sources today, that is their view. Now, 
that we're not to be frightened by that. In fact, we're to that should give us a little bit of understanding. But but don't believe everything that you hear. This is a strategy of the devil. What what did Nehemiah do about this? What should we do? Pray for strength. You should have guessed that Nehemiah would pray throughout this book are his prayers. And so in response, in verse 8, he says, I sent them this reply, nothing like what you're saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. And you know what some of the things that are being said today are? They're being made up out of somebody's head. And then Nehemiah, though, it says in verse 9, they were trying to frighten us. There's an agenda to intimidate. They were trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Here's the shortest of the Roman candle prayers in the book of Nehemiah. It's only four words. Now strengthen my hands. You can pray briefly, abruptly, at any time. Nehemiah lifts up one of those Roman candle prayers. Now strengthen my hands. Maybe you're here today and there's some things that are intimidating you and you've begun to doubt or you've begun to question some things. Why don't you pray this right now? Now strengthen my hands. Maybe you're in a situation. It may not be exactly this, but you're in some situation in your life that is just a little bit overwhelming to you and you feel weak and you're a little bit frightened about the future. Why don't you right now just say, Oh God, strengthen my hands. Give me strength. Wow, what a privilege we have to pray to a God who gives strength to the weak. Well, let me share with you a third strategy that uh, they turned to. The sidetracking didn't work. The fake news didn't work. And so... The devil will send people to offer bad advice to entice you to sin. The devil will bring people sometimes into your life who give you bad advice trying to entice you to sin. Recognize that strategy. Look at it in verse 10. One day, I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of Meritebel, who was shut up in his home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they're coming to kill you. And that, that, those words are sort of set as an oracle. It's sort of set in verse in, in Hebrew. It says, they're coming to kill you. By night, they're coming to kill you. You know, he's, it's like he's, in this, he's given this oracle from God, the, this prophet Shemaiah. And Nehemiah goes to see him because he believes he's a true prophet from God. And he has a message for Nehemiah. And when Nehemiah gets to his house, he says, They're coming to kill you by night. They're coming to kill you. Let us hide in the house of the Lord. Let us shut ourselves in the house of the Lord. And he's, uh, But Nehemiah says, Should a man like me, verse 11, run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. What was the sin? Well, Nehemiah knew 
that the Old Testament said that a layman like him, a non-priest like him, could not go into the temple. Shemaiah was asking Nehemiah to do something that was contrary to the revealed word of God. And so therefore, Nehemiah knew he wasn't a true prophet because a true prophet will not speak contrary to the Bible. So when Nehemiah heard that he had said, hey, they're going to try to kill us unless you and I go into the temple and take refuge and hide there and they won't desecrate the temple and come in and get us. Nehemiah knew it wasn't a strategy to save him. It was a strategy to get him to compromise into sin because a true prophet is not going to contradict the word of God. Here's the strategy for us. Know the truth. Know the truth. Nehemiah knows the truth and it enables him to resist that bad advice. You know, there's so many people that I counsel and they're dealing with a sinful choice and there's some knucklehead at work telling them to take that sinful choice. Oh, I wouldn't put up with that in my marriage. I'd cheat on her. I, I hear that so often. There are many people who are going to give you bad advice. The devil brings people into your life to give you bad advice. And what you need to know is the truth. If you know the Word of God and the, the truth, there are going to be all kind of voices telling you things, but Casting Crowns has a song, but the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. And so you learn to listen to and recognize the voice of truth and follow that truth in your life. If I could sum up the strategies of, Nehem, the, of Nehemiah in one word, it would be the word shrewd. Shrewd. Which, by the way, if you play hangman, is a really good uh, word to use because it's six letters and one vowel. But shrewd. The Bible says, let me read to you what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 16. <clears throat> I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Well, thanks, Jesus. That's, that's good to know, you know. Hey, I'm going to send you out like sheep to hungry wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes. Do you know the Bible tells Christians to be as shrewd as snakes? And, but don't miss this part, and as innocent as doves. Let there be no harm that you cause no harm, that you don't fight like other people fight. You be as innocent as a dove, but you be as shrewd as a snake. I want to say to you that I believe that the strategies of Nehemiah 6 are going to be used by the devil increasingly in the last days. In the last days, these strategies of deception, fake news, sidetracking, bad advice are going to intensify and they're going to culminate in a character that we sometimes call the Antichrist. And so we need to just know the truth and be ready for that. I want to share with you just two or three of the passages, the primary passages about the Antichrist, and I want you to hear the similarities between the strategies of Nehemiah 6 and the strategies of the last day. Uh, let's start with Revelation chapter uh, 16, and this is a, a very symbolic passage, but here's what it says. <clears throat> then I saw three impure spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, that's the devil, out of the mouth of the beast, that's the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, that's the second beast, the, the false prophet. 
and they are, verse 14, they are demonic spirits that perform signs and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of the God Almighty. Those frogs represent propaganda, fake news that they're going to be spewing. Frogs because it's no more content than ribbit, 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 just croaking like frogs. And you're going to hear more and more croaking, more and more of that frog-like lies and fake news that's going to come out of the mouth of those false leaders. Let me show you another second major passage about the Antichrist and see this same strategy. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance, and the lawless one is Paul's name for the Antichrist. We make, compare them the same. Will be in accordance with how Satan works. So the lawless one is going to be like, how does Satan work? He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to what? Love the truth. You want to be able to stand up against the Antichrist if we were alive in that day? You don't have to know all about error. Just know the truth. And when you know the truth, it says... You'll have that strength. They refuse to love the truth and be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they'll believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. The third major passage about the Antichrist is a, another symbolic passage in Daniel 11, verse 32. has an immediate fulfillment, but I think it has a long-range fulfillment with the Antichrist. With flattery, there's that deception. With flattery, he'll corrupt those who have violated the covenant, but the people who know their God will firmly resist him. Do you know your God? Do you know the truth? Oh, there's an evil one in our world, and he uses subtle strategies to try to sidetrack you, believe lies to intimidate you, and even send bad advice into your life. But you don't need to be afraid. You pray, now strengthen my hands, and you know the truth that you can follow the will of God. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, I pray that we'll be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves, as Jesus taught us to be. And Lord, I pray that we will know our God and know the truth. So, Build within us strength and shrewdness, trust and truth. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand together with me. We're going to have a time of invitation.